Uh, I'm Tom Nelson. Again, welcome. We hope uh, you sense the Lord's presence here. You're very welcome here. And I uh, hope you have a wonderful, wonderful, relaxing weekend. Have you ever had the painful experience of uh, finding yourself in a place you don't belong? Uh, <laughs> like walking into a woman's restroom. Uh, one, one of my most humiliating, it only happened once. It might happen again. I don't know. But uh, I wasn't paying attention. Uh, and uh, not only was I startled, but all the ladies in there when I opened the door was startled. Uh, somehow, all of us knew at that moment I didn't belong there. And I had nightmares for weeks that I might be walking through the uh, grocery line and there in the star and the inquire, my picture in big bold print, pastor found in women's bathroom. It just, I don't think that happened, but it scared me. We don't have to walk into a bathroom that's not our bathroom uh, to experience that feeling of not belonging, right? I mean, Kids, we've all had that experience, uh, at least I did growing up, in a pickup game when I was the last chosen. You know what that's like, I'm not feeling like you fit with the team. Students, uh, I was a, a new student once in a new school, in high school, and uh, walking into that cafeteria on the first day, when you have no place to sit, you don't feel like you belong. I mean, it's brutal. You may be a single person, and you go to a party, and everybody there is married except you and you feel like you don't fit. Or you go through a section of the city where you're not used to and you feel kind of awkward and people are looking at you, what are you doing here? And we all have this experience in life where we feel like we do not belong. And I want to suggest to all of us that perhaps the most painful or one of the most painful things in our hearts is that feeling that we all face at one time or another that we don't belong somewhere. Because all of us deeply long to belong. Now, maybe you're here this morning and, uh, at Christ Community and you're not a Christian yet and you're just, you know, trying to check out church or maybe church is a new thing and it all seems kind of strange. Maybe I seem strange too, I hope not. Uh, but you may be visiting today uh, from out of town or you may be newer to Christ Community, maybe a follower of Jesus and you've been hanging out here a while and you don't really, you know, feel like you belong. And, and that's a disconcerting feeling. You, you don't feel like you have a church home yet. Again, all of us long to belong. There is something so deep within us, isn't it? I mean, all of us want to have this sense of deep connection with others. We want to have a sense of place, a sense of feeling at home with our lives and friends and people. Yet we do feel this deep disconnection between the longing to belong and the disconnect that we don't feel like we belong. And this is a common reality. It's not just unique to us in our time is true across the history of humanity. And we've been looking as a church family through this ancient book, which is actually 2,000 years old, the book of Corinthians. And the church at Corinth, Greece, also experienced this deep sense of lack of belonging. And it wasn't just around their differences. I mean, we love differences, don't we? Diversity, but diversity is challenging because sometimes our diversity makes us feel like we don't fit. And this was true in the church at Corinth. There were different uh, languages, different cultures, different genders, and they all came together, and as we've said in this series, it was a mess. The Church of Corinth was a mess. But one of the things we're going to look at this morning is what actually also created this disconnection, this sense of a lack of belonging, a lack of fittedness, was their spiritual gifts. And, and this is a dripping irony, and it just drips through this whole chapter, because the spiritual gifts were given by the Spirit of God to create unity, and to help each other flourish. But in reality, what is going on in the first century is prideful divisions, 
They abounded in the first century church. There were chaotic worship services. That was the norm. And the joy they were to experience was sabotaged with disunity and an impoverishment of spiritual growth. So what were they to do? And this is what Paul addresses. So if you have a Bible, I'd like you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as Paul presses into this. Now let's set the stage. Last week, we began this section in 1 Corinthians. We looked at 1 Corinthians 12 on Paul's teaching on spiritual gifts. And hear me carefully, we discovered last week that the main goal in chapters 12, 13, and 14, this section, which is a unit, literary unit, Paul's main goal, friends, was not that we would just grasp the granular details of spiritual gifts, but rather his goal is to give us and keep the big picture in mind for us. And last week, Pastor Andrew gave us this big picture phrase. I think it was really well done. And that is, I want to remind us where we are, that our gifts, the big idea, our gifts are not for us, but for others. We need to keep that in mind through this next few weeks. We were also reminded last week that spiritual gifts are not only given for us within the church, and this is very important to grasp. Our spiritual giftedness, our talent, all that we are created to be and redeemed in the gospel, our spiritual empowerment are for everyday life. Every calling we have at school, at work, our relationships, our roommate, our friends. Spiritual gifting is to empower us in transforming ways in every nook and cranny of life. We must not miss this. Pastor Andrew gave us a very helpful definition on spiritual gifts. I'd like to review that with you because I think it's so important to keep in mind. And that is a spiritual gift is a Holy Spirit-empowered ability freely given to the believer for the purpose of serving others and building up the church, but not just that, but for the common good of all, that is, all image bearers. So there's a very comprehensive importance of the spiritual gifts. Now, I want you to notice as we enter this text that Paul, in his literary brilliance, arranges his thoughts now on the scaffolding of one central metaphor. Uh, a metaphor, again, is a comparison idea where we take two ideas or two things we compare and it allows us for the very thing we are looking at to give a greater insight into it. So it's a comparison. And you'll notice that Paul takes the most common metaphor imaginable. It makes sense to us, right, across time and culture and gender and everything else. Every one of us as human beings have one of these things, a body. So Paul takes the most common idea that everyone can relate to, kids, students, adults, whatever we are, we all got one of these things. And he compares it with the church. And he does it over and over and over again. It's like, come on, Paul, I get it. But do we? So I want to press in there a bit as we look at these, this metaphor. And Paul arranges three truths. I'm going to touch on them briefly. They, these truths build in sequential harmony in this text. The three truths that are embedded in this metaphor are first, you belong here. You belong here. Secondly, we belong together. And third, don't miss it, it builds to the end that we belong to Christ. So let's begin first, you belong here. Now notice verses 12 through 16. I'd like to press into that just a bit and reread it and listen carefully. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. 
For in one spirit we all baptized into one body. Notice Jews or Greeks or slaves are free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. At the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. That would not make it less part of the body. And if our ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would make it not less any part of the body. And his implication there is right. He wants you to grasp that, right? So Paul says to the Corinthians, fundamentally, you belong. You belong. Remember, they're feeling like they don't belong. He's saying, when you came to faith in Jesus Christ, even though you were very different, you walked into church, very different, different backgrounds, different gifts, different struggles, different problems, you became one. In other words, he uses the language of baptism. And baptism here is not water baptism. It's an idea that we are identified, we have a new identity. So he says, when you trust Christ, when you embrace the gospel, when you trust Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are now given a new identity. You are someone brand new. But not only do you have a new identity with Christ, don't miss it, you also have a new identity as a new family. You are adopted into a family. In Jesus, we are a new family. And so he highlights the church, like a family, has many parts. <laughs> but they all belong, right? The eye has no less belongingness than the ear does. Now, I am uh, not a fan of real scary movies. Uh, my constitution in life does not allow me to do too much horror films, nor have I gone through a Halloween horror house. I mean, I know some of you do that. That's sort of your big deal of the year, to freak out. But one of the things, <laughs> one of the things that's amazing to me is that scary movies or haunted houses or whatever inevitably have, or a scary ride at some theme park, a dismembered arm and blood, like, you know, it's like, Monty Python, it's only a flesh wound. I just had to say that. But it, it's like that, right? It freaks you out because you have this visceral reaction when a piece of our body is laying there, and rightly so. And this is what Paul is doing. He's creating a sense of a visceral, like, ah, that's awful. Why is that? Because we know, all of us, right? We know that our body is not just our hand or our feet. We are a whole, and we are at home with our body. All of it fits together, and we know that. Now, I want you to notice in the text the massive staccato kind of repetition, and it's explicit in the Greek language, of the word one. Do you see it? Just one, 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 one. Like, Paul, I get it. I get it. Why? Because Paul is pressing into this body metaphor. He's saying to the church at Corinth, and he's saying to us, get your eyes off your individual differences and your gifts, and get your eyes on the flourishing of the whole. See, like any family, there's a diversity of persons, yet there's only one family. Now, I know that because I grew up in a large family. I have six siblings. And man, if you were to unpack our family, we are a crazy bunch. I mean, there's eccentricities multiplied in each kid. I think that's just our survival, you know, identity in a big family. But let me say, we have family reunions. We call them, you know, what do we call them? We call them family rebellions in our family. And uh, when we have a family rebellion, which we do periodically, even as older kids, you know, it's not the Tom Rebellion. A reunion, excuse me. Uh, it's the Nelson family reunion, correct? I mean, we don't have a Tom reunion. We have a family reunion. There isn't a family, a kind of mini yet one. On the back of our coins, 
I tried to look at this the other day. I need a magnifying glass. But here's a quarter. Just take my word for it. On the back are Latin words. Now, there's, this is not worth much but in terms of money. But on the back, there's something priceless. It's the Latin word or phrase, e pluribus unum, which simply means out of many yet one. So here we have the same theme. Paul takes this and applies this idea to the church. That like a nation, many diverse individuals are bound together in time and place and geographical and spatial proximity. Though highly diverse, are one family in Christ. Wow. So what do we think of when we think of the church? Let me ask that question. Because Paul is unpacking in the spiritual gift language a picture of the church. What do you think of when you think of the word church? What comes to your mind? Well, many of us, I think, tend to think of a church as primarily a place we go rather than a place we belong. And Paul would push back against that, right? The church is more than just a place we go. It's a family we are a part of. We often look to the church through a consumer lens, don't we? And that's not all bad. We have needs, and the church should meet needs. We often think of the church as a movie theater, right? Sort of a time to be entertained and hopefully have a good service and rank it on, on a scale of 1 to 10. I know we never do that, like 8 or 10. Or... But we often think of the church as sort of an entertainment. We also think of the church as a big box store where we just sort of, you know, go and everything's convenient and our kids and students and you know, we put it on the lower shelf and good parking and everything's just perfect. Or we often think of the church as a drugstore. Right? Life's hard for all of us. So we just need a little bit of time to get a sort of an injection of hope to get us through the week. And these are not all bad things, but they can be dangerous things. Because Paul reminds us the church is much more than that. The church is a new family. And it's a place and people where we are created and redeemed if we've embraced the gospel for a new sense of belonging. Now, some of you uh, this morning have been attending Christ's community for a while, perhaps, and maybe you feel like this is still not home yet. You don't belong. Now, I can't guarantee you an immediate quick fix feeling on that. I'll pray for that because I want you to feel that, as I do. I can encourage you and I will to attend and get involved in a community group if you can or give and serve and pray and be a part of this wonderful church. But it may take more time than you think for your emotions and feelings to catch up to where we're sitting. But I believe you can feel a part of Christ's community in a very real way and give it time. But I want to encourage you to know you are welcome here and you matter here and you are loved here. Whether you're a kid or someone older, you matter and you are welcome here. Paul is saying that to the Corinthians. Even though you're different, you feel different, sometimes you don't feel like you belong, you belong because Christ has brought you here. And notice, he, he wants us to care for one another. You see the themes here? And part of caring is being attentive to one another. A big part of a growing spirituality in our life, one of the ways you can determine whether you are growing is we are increasingly, you and me, are moving from a Jesus and me mindset to a Jesus and we mindset. And that we are becoming more and more attentive to one another and the importance that we play in each other's lives. 17th century French philosopher Blaise Pascal and Christian, I think, speaks across time to the American church in a really powerful way when he talked about inattention is perhaps the greatest enemy of the spiritual life. 
And could it be that inattention to one another is one of the greatest impediments for the church to flourish? Could it be our self-absorption is more destructive than any of us can imagine? Paul is saying, you belong. Don't miss it. But also notice he goes, we belong together. Notice verses 21 through 22. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, he goes, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So Paul further presses into the human body metaphor. He makes the case that the human body is so complex, so interdependent as a system, with such a gifted dynamic division of labor and contribution for the good of the whole. In other words, every part he is saying is needed. Every part is uniquely designed to contribute. Every part does what it does best. Now, I don't know if the writers of The Office television show, which is one of my all-time favorites, had read the Apostle Paul, but I think they were inspired by him some way. One of my favorite characters, and yours too if you're an Office fan, is Dwight Schrute. And in one of the most classic moments of The Office ever, ever done, in my opinion, Dwight Schrute wants to make the case that, well, his hands don't matter, just his feet. Watch. First Corinthians chapter 12, that's all you got to know, right there. I mean, hands work really good, don't they? If you do what hands do, or feet work really good, right? And that's what Paul is saying. When we are being who we've been created to be, and when we're using our spiritual gifts empowered by the Holy Spirit, if we're a Christian, we find great joy in it, and we do it well. That's why it's called the sweet spot, and we find our place. Paul emphasizes, you'll notice in the text, that even the smallest part's important. Even the invisible parts of the body are important. They don't get the limelight, but they're really important for the well-being of the whole. We know this, right? Have you ever got up in the middle of the night and stubbed your toe, your big toe? You really stubbed it bad or you really dislocated that thing? I mean, not only does your whole body scream at you, you are thrown off balance. It takes you all to learn how to walk again if we were just that little big toe. I mean, we understand that. Have you ever, and I hope you haven't, but have you ever had food poisoning at night or had the flu and your stomach rebels and everything else in the GI tract? Everything else rebels and you want to die, right? That's the way it works. Just like any team member, every team member plays a unique part, and it contributes to the whole. This is what Paul is saying. And notice there's no celebrities. There's no superstars in the church. Isn't that good? The emphasis is the great reversal. You hear Jesus teaching in the Beatitudes come across Rabbi Paul, that the lowly are exalted. And in the history of Christ's community, as far as I know, one of the funnest things is that no staff have ever got a standing ovation at a congregational meeting except Mark Stubbolo, who was our maintenance leader. Yes. This is what Paul's saying. It's the lowly who are exalted. Now, we're discovering the importance of how we connect with one another, how we help each other, how we heal each other in amazing ways. We're finding it in, in, in many directions. This, uh, this week at the Wall Street, in the Wall Street Journal, there was an amazing article that I read about, there's a lot of study, you know, with the demography of the world and the age of the Western world looking for longevity and health across the globe. They call them the blue zones. Places across our globe where there's amazing emotional health and longevity of people. And they look at all the factors. It's interesting in this article, the title was called, For Long Life It Takes a Village. And the researchers summarize this and they find that 
this group in Italy, they're, they're the Sardina people, are extraordinarily healthy in all dimensions of life. And the research has discovered that emotional, physical health is tied to their close-knittedness to one another. Huh. And the article summarizes this. So it says, life in these villages are very social. People meet on the street daily and savor each other's company. They count on one another. If someone gets sick, a neighbor is there. And he lists all the different things they do together. Also, in the latest edition of the Journal of Psychology and Christianity, there's a wonderful study. It's a, a study of, uh, again, connecting neuroscience and psychology to what is called, uh, one of the leading theories says, attachment theory, an empirical study on this. Attachment theory embraces the idea that our personal sense of well-being is forged in an enduring bond with others in which we feel prized and known and secure. And relations with others that meet our needs of protection, comfort, acceptance, and security are at the heart of human well-being. And this extensive study in all this empirical data concluded with these words. This research found, listen carefully, that attachment to a church family was a significant and unique predictor of well-being. Is that what Paul is saying 2,000 years ago? 2,000 years ago, Paul is saying the same thing. We were created to be together. We long to be together. We need each other. We need our spiritual gifts to assist one another, and we need to care for one another. You notice the language of caring all the way through this text, of caring for one another. Isn't it interesting that we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13, the next chapter, tucked in this section on spiritual gifts is the most beautiful love poem ever humanly written. Because to do the spiritual gifts well, to belong together, to love, we need this kind of love for one another. Let me ask a question. Do you see the local church as an option for you or an essential for you? Now, I say that not in any self-serving way. You know, at Christ Community, as staff, it's not that we want something from you. It's what we want for you of God's design and human flourishing. Do we understand the importance of the local church? Few things are more impoverishing to the Christian than a homeless faith. Most of us have a right reaction of injustice and compassion when we encounter the vast homelessness in our nation. When we see a homeless person on the street, our hearts should be moved. Why? What is it about homelessness that seems so unhuman? It is a sense that all of us know that's how, not how humans flourish. And when you are homeless, you are not only a person who has no place to stay, you also are, have, are a person that does not belong. And tragically, many Christians are living in a homeless faith. I encounter so many Christians today who say they're Christians, say things like, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. Or I'm very spiritual, but I don't do church. Yes, the church is a mess. Everyone who walks through these doors, me and you are a mess, but God in his grace and love and kindness takes messes and turns them into masterpieces, but not only individually, collectively as his beautiful bride forever. To truly love Jesus is to love what he loves. And there's nothing Jesus loves more than the local church's bride. 
The New Testament focuses on the local church. The local church community is at the heart of human flourishing as well as a culture's flourishing. Here in chapter 12, Paul says, you belong, you belong. Secondly, he says, we belong together and don't miss where he builds to is that we belong to Jesus. We belong to him. Look at verse 27. Paul says, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Notice the phrase body of Christ. It's possessive. The focus is on Jesus. In other texts of Scripture, Paul will say Jesus, using the same metaphor, is the head, like Ephesians. In Ephesians, Paul says this. He says, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Now, throughout 1 Corinthians, you will notice if you're reading through this section or this chapter, you will continually hear the echoing of the Trinitarian God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It is all over, explicitly and implicitly in 1 Corinthians. But Paul wants us to know something. He wants us to keep Jesus as the focal point. Our lives, our spiritual gifts have been given to us, whatever they are, and notice he lists them, and we're going to talk more about those when we hit chapter 14. Notice speaking, teaching, helping, administering, giving, or leading. They're just samples. But for us to use our gifts and empower us, we must be in submission to Jesus. That's the focal point. The most important question for all of us is not what gifts we have, but is our life individually submitted fully to Jesus Christ? See, we need to discover our spiritual gifts. We learned last week the importance of that. And we have a spiritual gift inventory on our website, and I took it this week. It was helpful for me just to think about it together. And I encourage you to do the same. But perhaps more important than taking a spiritual gifts inventory is to think together about a submission to Jesus inventory. If you were to do an inventory of your submission to Jesus, what would your score read? What would my score read? Is your busy schedule submitted to Jesus? Is the entertainment you are watching submitted to Jesus? Are your relationships, your marriage, your friendships, your time, your career, your children, grandchildren, is all that submitted to the Lord Jesus? Is your income, your wealth submitted to his lordship? Are the loves of your heart, the brokenness of your heart, the hurts of the past, are they laid at the cross of Jesus? How about your attitude, your speech, your dreams, the work you do every day, who you work with, your schoolwork, are they all in submission to Jesus? See, that's where Paul wants us to focus. Focusing much more on the giver than your gift. The scriptures put the spotlight on Jesus and he teaches us as we follow him how to live our life if he were us every day in the work we do at home with our friends at school or friends in the neighborhood. What's our submission to Jesus telling us? Paul says we belong. We do belong. Many of us feel a disconnected to feel belonging, but we do deeply belong. And if you've embraced Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior in the gospel, you belong to Christ forever. And you belong to his family, the church. And you belong here. And you're welcome here. Regardless of your past, regardless of your struggles, you are invited into his people and into Christ. 
We belong together. We belong to God because of what Jesus has done for us, period. Jesus gave up his body for us, did he not? He chose less so we could have more. He laid his body down, his sinless body, on a Roman cross and shed his blood for you and me that we might have a relationship with God and a new family and a new belonging. He paid the ultimate price that we might be forgiven of our sin and given new creation life and adopted into his family. That is good news. We were created to belong. The brokenness of our sin disconnected that belonging. We were created to belong to him. But isn't it brilliant and good of God we were also created and redeemed to belong to one another? We belong to a new family. This is what Paul is saying. One day at future, we will experience the most amazing family imaginable together in our new home, in the new heavens and new earth. But in the meantime, look around you. Your church family needs you, and you need it. And your church family and my church family is an appetizer of what our hearts long for that will one day be ours fully when we meet him at home. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have created us. And because of Christ, we are invited into your family. Empower us for service. Help us to be healers of one another and lovers of one another and weave together this local church family that we might be more beautiful in our expression and more effective in our mission. Lord, may each one of us realize that we belong, that we matter, and that we have a contribution to make. We pray this in Jesus' name.